I think it's very inspirational waking up every morning thinking what I can do to change this that I believe in rather than I'm just going to go and do my daily job as a business as usual. So that passion, I think, is what makes life more engaging and interesting as well. Urban Jungle brings stories from people around the globe that design and build a better world. I am Magda Flores and this is Urban Jungle. Welcome. Did you know that where we live and how we interact affects our well-being? Yet, when we talk about well-being, we tend to talk about me. Well-being is about we, the community and the environment we live in. It is time to shift the paradigm from me to we. Check out the Urban Wellbeing Training courses developed in partnership with the UK's Chartered Institute of Water and Environmental Management at www.siwem.org. This is a conversation with Paola Miani. Paola is a service design and innovation consultant, coach and facilitator for multinational organizations. Today, we talk about the advantage of being a change agent. Hi, Paola. Hi, Magda. How are you? Very well, thank you. And, you know, I normally start by doing a quick icebreaker. And this one is to picture where you are. Would you like to share with us a place you like to visit near where you are? Yes, I'm in the River Lee Valley in North London. And I'm surrounded by trees, lakes and rivers and ducks. So it's a very nice area, very close to nature, which I really enjoy. Well, certainly I have not been to that area. So that's one to do, definitely. I would very much like to know a little bit about your background. Would you share with us? Sure. I'm Peruvian. My background is in graphic design. And with a master's in marketing, I moved to Spain 20 years ago to study this master because I was interested to understand how design helped businesses uh, to drive value and also how human-centered design can be driving that value in the organizations. So I lived in Spain for nine years before moving to UK uh, 11 years ago. So it's been quite a journey and I love learning from different cultures, ways of working and ways of living. It really enriched my experience and my perception about life. You've just mentioned user-centric design. What is that exactly? It is a design discipline that help understand what are our end users, the people that we're designing for and solving problems for, what are their needs, behaviors, motivations, expectations, frustrations in, in regards to that task that they want to do or the objective that they have. So we can create services that solve their problem in a way that suits them uh, according to their mental models and uh, according to their context as well. Sometimes when we hear about user-centric design, we immediately think about mobile apps. Is that the only application? No, it's actually, it's about the user experience and it's someone doing something with, it could be online or offline or a combination of both. So it's the experience that someone has 
And, and you can think about the end-to-end experience, for example, of organizing a travel with your family. So what are the different steps that you take? What tools do you use? What uh, platforms and, and services support you in that journey? And what parts of that journey are frustrating because you don't know how to do it or it doesn't work as you expected and, and generates frustration and it could also generate unintended consequences. So people buy the wrong thing and then it generates problems. So it's how to identify what parts of the journeys needs to be improved and what are the critical moments on that experience so we can deliver a delightful experience. In terms of your career then, to get a flavor of the type of work that you do, would you describe a typical transformation project, because this sounds as transformation projects, right, that you lead with your clients? I have been working in digital transformation programs that are about uh, moving into like a physical service into digital services or improving digital services to make it more user-centered for most of my career. So that means when we think about transformation, it's not just about making something digital, but it's also changing how people think and behave around using digital as a way to respond faster to changes um, in the market and sort of make the organizations more responsive to all those changes. So it's, it's, it's more not just creating these digital artifacts, but also um, making sure that whatever you do has value and that, that achieve the expected outcomes. And that brings the mentality of being empathetic, collaborative, uh, do experimentation to test and learn if the solution is correct, challenging the status quo, asking, you know, challenging questions. So all those mindsets will drive that transformation that the organization needs to be more innovative. Would you give us an example of something that is related to what you are talking about, the user-centric experience in the type of work you've done? For example, um, I did a multinational research study for Santander Group to understand what was the ideal online banking experience in Europe so they can create, uh, let's say, a wide brand of the online banking experience that then they can adapt to the specific needs of the culture on each country. So what is the what is the basic service that needs to be delivered? And then what are the different uh, considerations? And, and for that, I did a lot of interviews, mystery shoppers, focus groups, and, and then strategic work with the stakeholders to identify what are the hygiene factors for success? What are the key differentiators? Um, what are the key uh, type of behaviors as well? And that's where I identify that the heavy users of internet that were the early adopters that were driving um, innovation were in UK, across Europe. So I thought that, you know, that sounds interesting. Maybe I should move there and learn more about these early adopters and how they behave. Oh, so it was actually through their behaviors that you actually thought, I want to go to Europe. I mean, I normally would say I really like loads of the historic sites in Italy and in France and in the UK. So maybe I'll go there. <laughs> I know, I, I love that. No, no, I love that as well. So I, I, I was already in Spain, living in Spain in a consultancy in Design It. 
when uh, I've been doing these international projects. And when I had to come to UK, I thought, well, it could be good professionally uh, to, to live here, but also it's an exciting city to be in and multicultural and, and very diverse. So I thought uh, it will enrich a lot my my experience. And yeah, no, but initially, um, because I have a bachelor degree in fine arts, I came the first time to Europe to just learn about the arts and see everything that I have seen in pictures in real life in all the museums and, and the streets around Europe. Are you more into paintings or more into the architecture? Um, more into paintings, I would say, but I love architecture as well. Do you find that the British customers are a little bit more difficult in the way they approach or they've got higher expectations of the service compared to other cultures, Spain versus the UK, for example, the places where you've lived? Yes. Yeah. So it was very interesting because the early adopters that were mainly in UK were demanding a service that was more responsive and more sort of aligned with experience in other sort of services, online services that, that they were used to to, to use, uh, also from, from a bank. Whereas in places like Italy, for example, they are still relying on the one-to-one relationship. You know, they go to the to the wedding of their customers and then they, they sort of talk about, you know, they're going to buy a house at some point. They got married, my, my, my uh, daughter got married and you know, they talk about la familia, the family, <laughs> they become friends and that's very ingrained in the culture. So the digital side of it is kind of like very basic in terms of the tech take if I have enough money. That was many years ago, probably they have evolved. Um, but um, yeah, you could see uh, a, a very interesting relationship between the cultural side and, and their adoption to digital channels. That's very interesting. Particularly when we see in the banking sector that loads of the local banks have actually closed, so we don't get local branches. Yes, yes, that's right. But that's also driven by the adoption of digital services. So I have worked at Lloyd's Banking Group uh, for the last six years. And um, yeah, that, that is the trend, but also it's because the trend on usage on digital channels were increasing massively. So, you know, they had millions of um, users of the mobile app and they were less mm, sort of inclined to go to the office. Obviously, you need to be inclusive and consider that um, there are people that don't like digital or don't know digital and you have to provide alternative options and that was particularly critical during COVID because there was no other option it had to be digital or nothing and there were lots of very um, sort of old people that needed their money and they didn't have ways to pay for the services they didn't know how to use digital so they have to move quite quickly to provide iPads to to these customers and and a quick training otherwise they won't have money to pay their bills and 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 their food. So yeah, it was it was critical times and that obviously increased the adoption of digital massively as well. You know, we have the likes of Monzo, Tide, uh, Waze, all sorts of different cards, banks coming out with very good international rates and the banks, um, the traditional banking sector is a little bit behind. So how do you see that moving? 
Yeah, it's it's very interesting. I think there is different type of audiences for different type of services. Um, obviously, younger people probably are more interested in in this kind of easy way to deal with the bank. But um, I think from research, it seems like people get a bank account when they are little and they remain with that account throughout the years because the parents also have that account and they rely on a brand that has been there for hundreds of years. And it's kind of the main account. And they use, of course, others, but more for the daily daily stuff. Like, for example, I have Monzo, I have Revolut, and I use them as and when, you know, for example, doing an online shopping because it's a, it's a debit card and I don't feel that my main account is going to be you know, that exposed to, to potential sort of phishing or, or 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 issues. So I think there are different different scenarios, but I know that big organizations and big big financial institutions have to catch up on being innovative and provide the same level of services that you know a, a, a company in a fintech in the fintech world um, could provide as well. So probably this uh, UX design will actually help customer retention and overall good experience. Yes. That is uh, so much needed, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. You have also been involved in some major behavioral change, as in how people change the way they perceive the world around them. Would you give us an example of that? Yeah. So in the last few years, I was the head of design culture at Lloyds Banking Group, and that meant that one of my key roles or objectives was to uh, embed the design thinking approach into the organization and ways of working. And that means mainly that I had to help develop the mindset that I was talking about, you know, be be open to test and learn, understand the problem before jumping into a solution and challenge the, the status quo, etc. So when you're not familiar with the design ways of working and you are exposed to that way of working, you know, collaboration, ideation, um, creating prototypes to learn fast, etc., et and, and also empathizing with people that you're designing for, but just really listening to them. It opens uh, a lot of opportunities to, to people working in finance, legal, HR, because they really develop those skills that will help them to find better solutions. And so at Lloyd's Banking Group, I developed a training program. Uh, we train thousands of, of employees in, in design thinking. And also during COVID, because it wasn't possible to do it face-to-face, -face, we developed a seven-hour online course um, where we explain the Lloyd's way to do design thinking with their case studies you know we're bringing it to life so making it more tangible for people in the ground to see how they can apply that in their daily work and it was very inspirational to see that not only impacted how they work uh, because they were listening more they were understanding the problem before just being told you have to do something and then just go and deliver it but also even in their personal lives so they you hear comments like, you know, now before discussing with my husband, I sit and listen to his needs <laughs> and that really improved my relationship. So thank you. So it's it's amazing because these these skills are are more about, you know, being more human and, and being more empathetic and not being like 
Um, I, I have the answer and it has to be done in my way, but it's more like how we can find the best way to go about it together. I worked in infrastructure for quite a few years, um, bridge design and airport design and rail design. And I tell you what, the whole team would have um, done very well by having a little bit of collaboration, a little bit of uh, business mindset. And I assume by business mindset here, you are talking about co-designing and co-creating. Yes, yes. So that, that's a very big part of it because we have to move from design for someone then and into design with someone. So the experts of the problem are these people and why not bringing them into the process so they can they can help us to think better because many times teams that deliver services or products think that they know the answer of everything, that they, they just know what is best, but they are not the final user. They are not the people that have the problem. So the best way to do that is, or, you know, you do research, you interview them, and even better, you bring them into the design process. It's really nice to hear about collaboration and listening, which seems so obvious and it is one of those things that I think we haven't really developed the ability to do that because if we had things would be so much easier and those are the basis of um, any consultancy project isn't it any business consultancy that we are doing in business change or in anything that is uh, business consultancy related so yeah that's right that's right and there is a a, a saying that probably you have heard of that you know, we have two ears and one mouth. We should use them proportionally. <laughs> and that will save us a lot of problems. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I'll take that one. That's my learning. And talking about learning, would you like to share things that you have learned? Yeah, well, I keep learning all the time. So I, I, I will pick up on maybe things that are related to my last learning journey around sustainability. So I think the first thing that I learned is that I can use my design thinking skills and experience to help organizations to imagine the future that they want and they need and and then make it tangible with like prototypes or stories and and then test and learn uh, what can help us to get to to those visions. So that was my first aha moment almost three years ago and the and the uh, starting point of my learning journey on, on sustainability. And the other thing that I learned is that, well, I, I always have heard from my mom that if you really want something, you will find ways to achieve it. It's like similar to what Henry Ford said that uh, whether you think you can or can't, both are true because it's all on what you believe and what you think it's possible and, and how much you think that you can make a difference. So um, I know that anyone can be a change maker. Uh, if you really want to do it, you can do it because everyone can speak up. Everyone can ask challenging questions. Everyone can be responsible of what they are doing and influence people that are around you. You know, understand what is your level of influence uh, and sort of reach out to that rather than thinking, no, I can't change the world. It's, it's, not, me to, it's not for me to do it. Is more what I can do around me that will help a little bit and uh, what is within my power. So, yeah, so that's, uh, I think, uh, two key learnings uh, that I can share for now. Fantastic. Sometimes 
people request some change, but probably they don't really understand the implications. How do you help the client refine their vision? Or is a vision set up and you help them refine how to achieve it? Yeah, so many times, and that happens with consultancies all the time, is that uh, the client knows what they want, knows what they want, and they come and tell you, you know, I need you to create an app for me. So that's when you start asking, okay, but why Why do you need an app? What problem are you trying to solve and for whom? And who is going to be impacted and what is the outcome that you want to get? So what is the impact of that app? It's not the app. The app is, is a means to an end. What is the end? What is the purpose? And so when you start asking those questions, then it might be that they don't need an app. They need something else. Uh, you know, so you, you start that conversation to really understand the whys behind what they're asking and also maybe proposing some ideas on, okay, you know, we can test a, a little bit your idea, but what about exploring other ideas too? What about listening to what people have to say, the people that will be using the service and learn a little bit about that as we go along. So we need to find a balance on you know, we can't just go and say, no, your idea is terrible. <laughs> uh, we need to obviously use evidence to, to demonstrate what adds value. It might be that the idea could add value in the end, it's fine, but let's make decisions based on evidence and not on assumptions. So that's how I'll go about it. That's very nice. And, you know, when we are talking about being a um, change agent, what do you see the advantages of being a change agent? Well, it's not necessarily that people become a change agent because there are advantages. I think it's because they believe in something and that they want to change something that they can see is not going well or can be better. So I guess um, in a professional level, there will be advantages, of course, because you will have more visibility, you will uh, be able to maybe position yourself as a thought leader, um, but more importantly, you will be able to drive impact and you will feel more motivated and rewarded when you see that something is changing in the way that you think could improve outcomes for people and, and the planet in this case. So I guess, yeah, you, you will have benefits, but the, the more important thing is that motivation, that drive that will inspire you to do something to change the and challenge the status quo that I think is very inspirational, you know, waking up every morning thinking what I can do to to change um, these that I believe in rather than I'm just going to go and do my daily job as a, uh, you know, as a business as usual. Um, so that passion, I think it's what makes make life more engaging and interesting as well. Very good. About making a, a better world. <laughs> you, you've just said it really nicely, really nicely, because you're saying more than driving impact, it is um, inspirational as well, which is really being a, a thought leader, a very thoughtful leader. That's uh, That's really good. So what's your ultimate goal, if I may ask? <laughs> yeah, no, my ultimate goal is, is to use my design skills and experience to help organizations to become more sustainable and ultimately uh, to be a good ancestor 
So my niece has born uh, a week ago and I'm thinking what world we're inheriting, she will inherit from us and what we're giving, you know, what, what amount of problems we're giving to this generation that is just, they are just coming to the world. So yeah, I want to be a good ancestor and, and sort of drive change one little bit at a time. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, Paola Miani, how may we get in touch with you? Well, I'm very active on LinkedIn, so you can find me there. I think there are not many Paola Mianis. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and no, I'm, I'm happy to, to get in touch if you want to uh, talk about uh, design and how design can help to drive change. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you as well. This is Urban Jungle with your host, Magda Flores. Thanks for joining. And if there is a topic or people you would like to hear from, all you have to do is drop me a line. My email address is urbanwsolutions at gmail.com. Urban environments need your help. Be part of the solution. Check out our training courses on urban well-being. Developed in partnership with SIWEM, the UK's Chartered Institute of Water and Environmental Management at www.siwem.org.